Well, we had a wonderful week at VBS. You've heard a little about it. Our big goal on VBS week is that everyone, including all children, all, all staff, the postal carrier, the UPS person, anybody who steps on our campus that week will be wrapped up in God's love. And of course, our particular focus is on kids, but everyone else of us needs that double dose of love as much as they do. And where else in society are there opportunities for kids to be well loved by teenagers, young adults, older adults? There's not so many spaces anymore where this happens. Uh, one girl in the fourth through sixth grade class heard about the children in Brazil who are homeless and on the streets and who are given a home by the group Hope Unlimited and she said she was bringing her her birthday gift to give and on the last day she came to the offering with $90 gave them to those kids my VBS highlights include my first ever yellow jello crazy hat I believe it's the first jello hat ever in the whole world now look how it works, see, it cools the head, it gives you a snack, that's how it works. It was wildly successful, so popular that I was also asked to make a green one and a blue one, so after that day, I was busy making jello hats for the kids. Much more importantly, my VBS highlight for me is that my keys were found after a long week of fruitless searches. I had lost my key the Wednesday before VBS, or maybe the Tuesday before VBS. And I knew on that day that I had locked the church door, so I had the keys in my hands when I locked the church door. I went to my car and then I went home. So I tore up my car, I tore up my house. A week of searching yielded nothing. Those keys were not to be found. And then during VBS, Miriam and Colby, our recreation leaders, were playing around and Miriam found the keys by the little tree out there. We reenacted it for you right here. They were playing like this. They saw something glittering. And there were my keys right there, laying there for at least a week. And that's when I remembered that on my way out, I had, I had watered those two trees and I just wanted to check the soil. It was just a, such a little drip. I just wanted to check to make sure the soil was damp, that they actually were watered. And so I went there to touch the soil and that's apparently when my keys fell out my pocket. I searched everywhere for those keys except the church lawn. I would never have thought to look there. Our topic for today is searching and choosing. We're in a sermon series entitled The Bible, Our Question Book, and we are looking at some of the provoking questions of the Bible, asking ourselves those same questions. And our topic today, our passage is from Luke chapter 24. Now this is after the crucifixion, after Jesus died and was put into the tomb, and the women who had come from Galilee, uh, were told in chapter 23, saw Jesus' body taken from the cross, saw that it was laid hurriedly in the tomb. They prepared spices and ointments. They rested on Sabbath, on the Sabbath, and our pa passage picks up from there. Luke chapter 24. 
But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? There's our question. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to the hands of sinners and crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Physically, there's so much death around us. Uh, I've gone to four funerals in the space of one month, and each one leaves a gaping wound of grief. And sometimes this wound is large and raw and exposed, and sometimes it's freshly bleeding, and sometimes it's scabbed over, but death always leaves a scar. No one can ever take place of that person who has gone. So what were the women doing during their day of rest? Definitely grieving, each one of them in her own way. Metaphorically, we are surrounded by death. Toxic relationships, social media streams, news reports, our dysfunctional political system, the way we talk to each other, systemic institutionalization, so much of it leads in what I call a downward death spiral. Am I being too dramatic, do you think? How many of you leave your social media scrolling or your game playing saying, oh, how refreshing. I'm now energized to tackle my long list of things to do. How many of you, after your daily political consumption, leave thinking, oh, how affirming and life-giving. I have been so renewed that now I can give of myself to others. I now have smiles to give to the stranger. I now have love to give to the people I disagree with. I have that much extra gentleness and joy and kindness and faithfulness and goodness to give to others. How many of you, after dealing with the bureaucracy of large institutions, leave thinking, oh, I have so much patience now. <laughs> that I can deal with any frustration that comes my way. I can now return good for evil because I have been dipping my toes in the life-giving social media. I, I have been waiting in the renewed, replenishing political discourse of our society. I've been swimming in the bureaucracy of large systems all life. There are life-sucking activities and life-giving activities. And where you search for life matters because life can't come from a place of death. But the women in our passage were not searching for life. They were actually looking for a lifeless body and that's why they went to the graveyard, to the tomb of Jesus. They were honoring their friend. They wanted to do right by him. They anticipated a day of smelling and feeling and and touching death. So they went searching that day for death in the graveside because that's where you find it. But death was gone. 
they could see all the other tombs and tombstones and they were pretty sure that all of those contained dead bodies but the particular one that they were looking for the one who days earlier had said I am the life the one they had seen die with their own eyes the lifeless body they had witnessed being taken down from the cross that dead one was not in the grave it was a head scratcher for sure we can't help but be exposed to death in this world. It will come our way unbidden. And even when the finger of death has not touched us personally or closely, we will absorb a good share of it regardless. There are studies recently that have been taken of the effectiveness of, or the lasting effect of active shooter drills in the schools. These drills are instituted in 95% of K through 12 schools in the United States. And most likely all of our kids have been in one and yet school shootings are really, really rare. They account for less than 1% of the more than $40,000 uh, $40, annual US gun deaths. But the drills themselves instill deep fear into the community. So they're associated with a 39% increase in depression, a 42% increase in stress and anxiety, a 23% increase, increase in physiological health problems overall, including children from as young as five, on up through grade 12, on up to their parents, on up to their teachers, staff of schools. Concerns over death increases by 22% after these drills and nothing has actually happened to hundreds of thousands of people who participate in them but nevertheless their brush with death through these drills erodes their quality of living we can't help but be exposed to death in this world this is the world we live in this is the way it is run but we can actively search for life knowing that our need for life is all the greater living in this broken world and where we search matters. The women couldn't make sense of the empty tomb on their own. Two angels in dazzling clothes had to tell them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And did they think then living, who's looking for the living, not us, we're looking for the dead body of Jesus, what are these people talking about? But the angels set them straight. Jesus is not here, but has risen. Searching for Jesus is searching for life. Because Jesus is life. It required a cognitive leap for these women to grasp the message of resurrection life. They hurried to tell the other disciples about it, but the men did not believe them. They were still thinking about the closed box of death, the coffin no one escapes. And it was only when they met the living Jesus and they were in his vibrant presence that the disciples could experience for themselves that cognitive leap of the mind accompanied by a joyful leap of the heart followed by a glad leap of faith in the living Lord Jesus Christ in his presence they experienced life and this holds true even at the bedside of someone who is dying even there Jesus is life 
Now I've had the privilege of being at three of those four funerals that I went to, three bedsides where people knew, the family knew this person was dying. The person themselves knew that they were close to death. And at that bedside with death near, sometimes it's days away, sometimes hours away, I ask if I can pray. And all three of them said yes. And we closed our eyes. And Jesus the life is there with us, even in pain and death. And Jesus carries us in a way that we can't carry each other. And it's meaningful to be in his presence even then. Anywhere that death is present, we can search for Jesus who gives life, who gives eternal life. I have one more passage that I want to read today, but for, before we read it, I want you all to just stand up, stand where you are. And I'm going to give you two options, and I'm going to point this way or that way. Okay? And you have to choose one of the options, because our passage today is searching and choosing, so I want you to choose an option. Just take a couple steps in the direction of the op option that you choose. Okay, so summer or winter. You're a winter person. Summer. You're winter? Okay. Okay, I see. Okay. All right. Morning rooster or night owl? Okay. <laughs> Oh, two morning people in the same family. Really? Okay. All right. Last one. Camping or hotel? <laughs> I see. I see you, Alice Blackwood. She's like. Okay. All right. You can be seated. I want you to hold on to a kinesthetic motion memory of choosing of actually taking some steps and choosing while we read our, our other passage for today. At the end of the book of Joshua, when the people of Israel have been through the wilderness, they've conquered the land, they are finally about to settle, Joshua says in chapter 24, verse 14, Now therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we choose we will serve the Lord. It matters where you search, and it matters what you choose. Because we may know all about finding life in Jesus, but do we choose him? And if we choose him today, do we choose him tomorrow? The people of Israel were past their wilderness wanderings. They were past the majority of their battles. Sometimes it's harder to choose Jesus in success than when you really need him for strength. Now, I'm not good at searching. I don't like to search. But someone here is very good at searching. Who, who among us is really good at this? Okay. What makes you good at searching? 
memory. Is that what I'm missing? Okay, who else? Who else? Who else? Okay, I'm drawn to my. Oh, Joe. Memory and thinking? Okay, you're making me look really bad. Okay, but for the goal, Robert, what, what makes you good at searching? Logic. Oh, the men who are wonderful searchers have put me down. I thought you guys were going to say you're good at searching because you find things that you're looking for, which I never do, but I see you're way beyond me. Okay, I'm, I'm not sure I'm good at choosing either, but some of you are good choosers. Some of you had made the right choice every single time. Okay, who, who can tell us why? Who? What? Okay, again, Roland. Woo, what a pair. Research to choose right every time? Oh, okay. I, I was looking for someone who had actually chosen right every time. The truth is, Arlu, you chose right every time? Yes. If it's sink, if my message is sinking into me better, is that what you're saying? I, I put things in weird places. It is true that Arlu has seen me searching many, many, many times, and she's hoping I'm taking this sermon to heart. Is what she said. And uh, maybe not put things down in weird places. Okay. All right, good. Preach at me. Preach at me. Um, the truth is, most of the time we make small choices. And we make small searches. And those things add up. So I just want to read to you an obituary I came across. I'm leaving the name off. I don't know why I should read this man's name. But anyway, I left his name off. Mr. Smith was born in Calveston, Texas, November 20th, 1943, and passed away January 30th, 2017, which was 29 years longer than expected and much longer than he deserved. Mr. Smith battled with cancer in his latter years and lost his battle, ultimately due to being a word that I cannot say from the pulpit that he was known for. He leaves behind two relieved children along with six grandchildren and countless other victims, including an ex-wife, relatives, friends, neighbors, doctors, nurses, and random strangers. At a young age, Mr. Smith quickly became a model example of bad parenting with a complete commitment to drinking, drugs, womanizing, and being generally offensive. He enlisted in the Navy, but not so much in a brave and patriotic way, but more as a plea deal to escape sentencing on criminal charges. Mr. Smith was surprisingly intelligent. This, by the way, was written by his children. However, he lacked ambition and motivation to, to do anything more than being, than being reckless, wasteful, squandering the family savings, and fantasizing about get-rich-quick schemes. His hobbies included being abusive to his family, 
He served no other obvious purpose. He did not contribute to society or serve his community. With his passage, he will only be missed for what he never did, being a loving husband, father, and good friend. His passing proves that evil does in fact die and hopefully marks a time of healing and safety for us all. That was in an actual newspaper. Small choices add up. Where you search matters. What you choose matters. So today I'm asking you to search for life and to choose Jesus. And choosing Jesus means that we have to spend time in the presence of the one who is the life. And time is something that we give to everything else around us. We're going to have to say no to some life-sucking things and use that time to pursue Jesus. We can't have a life-giving life-nourishing relationship once a week or even once a day. And there is no substitute or shortcut for the presence of Jesus the life. So I want you to close your eyes and think about something in your life that pulls you into an opposite direction of life and maybe you immediately know what that thing is that just sucks you in and you spent time on it and you have been drained of life because of it. It could actually be something pretty important. Something that sucks the life out of you and now with your eyes closed think of what actually has to change in your life if you are going to choose Jesus every day this week? What is a small step towards choosing Jesus that you can take this week? What will that look like for you? And now I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to designate these out, the outer aisles, as the thing that pulls you pulls you into a life-draining kind of uh, area. Just feel the pull. Put that in your mind. Put that thing that you thought of that really sucks the life out of you in those outer aisles and just feel the pull. Some of those are things that we actually do have to do. Some of those are things we choose to spend our time on. Just kind of feel it. Just kind of sway over towards the edges. Just you feel that pull from that area. And then I'm going to designate the middle aisle of choosing Jesus. The middle aisle of choosing Jesus. I just want you to take one step towards choosing Jesus, if you would. One step over. And I want you to have a muscle memory of that choice. Because we're going to go out of here and the week will go exactly the same as it always does. And if we choose Jesus... Something should be different. And we should experience more life if we are in his presence. So I want you to have that muscle memory of your body choosing. Dear Jesus, you know the choices we make. You know the fruitless searches we have 
gone through to find life, to find affirmation, to find joy, to find peace. So many fruitless searches in our life because we're looking in the wrong place. So you see, each person whose heart chose you today, and I pray that this week you would help us choose you, choose time with you, and as we do, fill us with your life, with joy, with peace, with faithfulness, with self-control, with goodness, with patience. Lord, fill us with your life and your fruit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.